one day we was out um, on the fens and it was blowing a gale, the rain was coming in sideways. I was in a foul mood because the weather was shocking and um, the hounds went in a, a, a crop of sugar beet, um, two fields over. Um, and this Chinese water deer ran out and jumped over a, a, a fen drain and started running towards me and I'm, I'm thinking, geez, this is going to run at me. Um, and by the time it got to me, it was within 30, 40 yards of me and I slipped Erlen at it. And I don't know what it was that day, but he thought, right, I'm having that. And he flew it, grabbed hold of it and um, pulled it over. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the Falconry Toll podcast and what is now our 17th and final installment of our series featuring falconers from the UK. And I have to give one quick final shout out and very, very big thank you to the two falconers who made this series possible being Simon Tires and Neil Davies. Without them, I wouldn't have been able to afford to come over and do this series for you all. I hope you all have really enjoyed it, and I really hope that you continue to stick with us for our future journeys. And as you may have heard me previously mention on the last episode, these last couple of episodes unfortunately had to be recorded remotely due to different time and logistical constraints, but I was very happy to still be able to coordinate this with John Meese, and I really am glad to be able to get his story out to you all. It's a pretty fascinating story because he's actually a falconer who is employed to fly his Golden Eagles over in the UK, and it was really kind of cool hearing how he kind of came into that position and hear about his story and getting into falconry in general. So all that being said, I'm very happy to be able to share with you John Meese and hope you all like this last episode concluding our UK series. And hopefully there will be a part two eventually, but for now, I will leave this with you and enjoy. Here we go. What's what's the scenery and the uh, elements look like for you all over there around this time? So when I first started with the Eagle back in 2004 um, at, the, at my present place, um, we used to get cold, crisp winters um, and and plenty of frosty weather and, and you know nice and crisp um, and it's gradually changed over the years to wet and foggy and and horrible <laughs> so it's 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 um yeah it makes it makes life difficult when it's like that because your bird just gets waterlogged and um you know one flight and it's soaked through and it's a it's a nightmare everything's muddied up to the ears and yeah it makes it hard work walking across the, the fields uh, and, and stuff so obviously being being a, a species that's evolved for living on the side of a mountain they're, they're yeah. pretty waterproof and resilient to it mm-hmm. but um like any bird they, they still get get soaked through yeah. um and if you catch something with them they're they're mantled and their tails fanned out and and they're they're they're, they're caked up to the ears with mud and clay and <laughs> you name it especially if it's something that's going to put up a bit of a fight like a, a fox or something they they soon get um they soon get filthy. Um, yeah, it's not unusual for me to come home from a day's hunting and um, put a block perch in the shower and shower my eagles before, you know, sitting in the front room with them for the night drying out, you know. Oh, so, you must have a big shower then. <laughs> no, no you leave, just leave the hood on. I'll send you a picture. Um, leave the hood on and just shower them off and get, get all the 
get all the ingrained mud out of them and um because they do they you know on certain days when it's been really wet it's it's horrendous but you can guarantee if it's a really wet horrible day that will be the day that i end up with um a fox or a monk jack deer and and they end up um getting pulled through everything with them and um puts up a they, you know they put up a scrap they don't want to they don't want to end up dead so they put up a fight so um um, and obviously the eagle's plumage suffers for it. So I imagine. So yeah, it sounds pretty typical then. So no, yeah. no, yeah. no exception with them. I mean, and in the videos that I've seen as well, you know, from other friends that, that regularly hunt eagles and so it's more out West, you know, also where it's more dry, you yeah. know, and I, uh, I was just curious about that. I figured that's probably the, the case, but I don't know near as much about eagles as I do, you know, some yeah, of these other hawks. Their plumage is really tough, but um, like I say, when when you when you're dealing with eagles, you're dealing with eagle quarry as well, and that puts up a scrap. And um, it's um, yeah. I was gonna say that's the thing too is is you know over here I mean, most of the the people that fly eagles hunt jackrabbits and and stuff. They don't hunt you know fox and coyote and stuff near as uh, near yeah. as readily or you know. Um, yeah, so you know. it's um, yeah. But I, I hunt I hunt. Um, brown hair, mm-hmm. um, fox, um, which is what I'm employed to do. That's my job. I, I work for a hunt. Um, so I'm actually employed to catch foxes. But I, I hunt um, brown hair, fox, muntjac deer. And hopefully, once I get her tuned in a bit more, this uh, I'll be I'll be hunting roe deer as well. But um, um, last September, I inherited a female eagle um, called Axel that I've been working with for a year now um and um she's just I, I actually caught her first fox with her with me um last saturday um so yeah she caught a 26 pound dog fox on saturday uh, which was nice that was a, a you know it makes all the hard work worth it when when it all comes together like that and um you get some results out of it so sure. um but uh, yeah yeah no, I, I, it's it, anytime you get any kind of secondhand bird and you have to work through any kind of issue that that has already kind of been ingrained with i i, I just went through that this past season with uh with a harris hawk as well and um yeah never again i don't think it's for me uh some yeah. some people just love that process of working through the extra challenge of uh nah it's not for me not for me <laughs> when, when, you, when you've been doing it when you've been doing it a long time like i have it's it's one of those things it makes you use your brain again because you kind of you get used to doing your routine with your your, your regular burden and you're, you're constantly doing the same thing. So when you get a new one come in, um, and I, you know, I never, I never ever expected or, or thought about getting another eagle. I just thought it was going to be me and Erlen until until that's it. Um, and then this one came up. Um, unfortunately, the guy that owned him uh, owned her passed away and. Um, I ended up inheriting her um, and, you know, I ummed and ahed about it for a long time before I actually agreed to um, take it on. Um, and she's, she's quirky. She's got some quirks, but now I've ironed those out and I know what they are. She's lovely. Um, I'm getting on great with her. Um, but um, my, uh, my shoulder and my, my bicep, not so great, but um, yeah, it's, there's a definite difference between a female and a male. Um, imagine yeah i imagine i imagine well out of curiosity what were some of the quirks that you had to 
work through and how did you work through them then? So yeah, just, just basically doing something wrong and then seeing a reaction to it. It's like I called her, called her into the glove. I fly all my eagles to the glove. I don't like all this throwing stuff on the floor. It's bad enough your eagles being on the floor when um, when they catch something, you know, let alone having them on the floor to, to, be, to, to pick them up. So I fly all my eagles into the glove. So to start with, I didn't know how she was trained or what she'd flown. I'd heard that she'd been flown waiting on because she, she was being flown in the Brecon Beacons in Wales. Um, so I knew that she was flown waiting on. Um, so I've basically had to retrain her to flying out of the hood because where I am in East Anglia, um, there's footpaths and people walking where they shouldn't be with little dogs and God knows what. So um, all of my hunting's done with the hood on. So the hood comes off and away they go. So it was basically just working with her. So, I mean, the first time I called her into the glove, I used quite a big um, pickup piece. I always fly my mail into the back leg of a hair or, or front leg of a hair as a, as a pickup piece um, and a recall piece. Well, I did that with her. And it was full dragon mode, you know, crown up, wings out. And she was like, this is mine and you're not having it. And um, tried it with a smaller piece and we were we were fine. And she's been lovely since. Um, she's not been too bad. I mean, she's, you know, she's had a three, few tantrums, but nothing, um, nothing that's not workable. Um, so we're, we're doing all right. We're doing great with her. Well, it sounds like you didn't inherit too bad of a situation then if, if no, it, it, no. You know. i mean like i say she's quirky she's got she's she gives you the sideways look sometimes and you're like well don't don't go any further <laughs> with that, that yeah. process and you know you, you kind of when you've been around eagles a long time you kind of get to read them you know you, you you get to know what they're they're thinking before they actually do it um well i do anyway i don't know about anybody else but i can kind of read them pretty pretty well so um, well, it's it's the trick to to flying any species is learning their quirks i think yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it, it doesn't matter what the species is or uh it doesn't matter you know <laughs> every bird is different and learning their quirks is just part of it if you don't learn how the bird is then odds are you're not going to be quite as su successful with them as you you know would have been if you learn how to read your bird so yeah, absolutely absolutely yeah. Yeah. um and it's 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 one of those things it's Every day is a school day. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. You learn something new every single day with them. So um, it's it's uh, it keeps it it keeps it fresh. It keeps it from from turning stale. Um, yeah. You know, you see something different every. I mean, Erlen, my male's twenty one this year, um, and he still surprises me with some of the things that he he does. Um, and we we can have hunted the same ground for the last nineteen seasons, twenty seasons, and will go another on that ground and then he'll pull something out of the bag that I've never seen before. And, and, and it, it, it's like, wow, you know, where does that come from? It's, uh, it's, um, every day's a, a learning day. So, um, all good. Sure. Sure. Well, and there's always all kinds of different, you yeah. know, the, like the environmental factors that you, you know, listed and, and learning kind of how, your bird's going to react to some kind of weird unforeseen circumstance that you haven't encountered yet or, or whatever. Yeah. Every, every day is different. Every, <laughs> every bird's different. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all a constant learning process, like you said, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, out of curiosity then, since we didn't have a chance to talk very much since everything was kind of crazy at the, 
at the Valley Expo, and I didn't even get a chance to see you at the game fair. Go ahead and just talk a little bit more about how you got into all this and how the falconry bug bit you and all that. Right. So, um, right from an early age. So my mum, mum always describes me as being feral. She'd, um, she'd get up in the morning and I'd already be out, you know, school holidays and stuff. I'd be out before light and, and be out bird nesting and catching frogs and you name it. I'd, I'd be out there and I used to collect all sorts of things underneath my bed. I got my ass kicked so many times for collecting bits and bobs and putting them under my bed and my mum would come in and like my bedroom would smell a little bit funny and she'd be like what on earth and then she'd find a hedgehog or something that I collected under the bed and you know um a terrible collector of animals I used to collect everything um and um so um you know I was I was just one of those kids that was never in the house always out um fishing and 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 doing something you know out in in the countryside so um and I was out one day and um I found a, a sparrowhawk um fledgling that had either fallen out of its tree or was having a, a rough time um so picked him up put him in my coat straight away got all all eight talons in my belly um <laughs> took it home um and like back then, I mean, I'm, I'm still completely useless with technology. So the internet didn't exist back then, but even if it had done, I'd have been useless with it. So um, um, I'd got this this young sparrow hawk. Um, it was just getting its pin feathers, you know, it got half an inch of tail and, and stuff. Um, so I went to the library and um, got um, a book called Falconry and Hawking by Philip Glazier um, and that was that was basically my introduction to falconry. Um, before that, I'd, I'd seen it on TV and I, I'd, I knew about it, but never um, hadn't got a clue um, about it at all. Anyway, I read this book from cover to cover and went through everything and did everything that um, the book said. Um, got the pattern out of the book and sized it to to make a hood. I cut my mum's best one of my mum's best handbags up. Um, to get the leather for my jesses and the hood. Um, got my ass kicked for that as well. Uh, <laughs> and um, then sort of turned it into a career somehow, and, and I've been doing it ever since. Um, I went on to, to fly that Sparrowhawk, um, had it flying free for two weeks and promptly lost it. But um, that was it. I was bitten. Um, and um, so well, I would have been 13, 14 at the time. I've still got the hood that I made out of my mum's handbag. Um, absolutely heartbroken at my Sparrowhawk disappearing. Um, but one of those, you know, it got, a, I'd got a, a cat bell off a cat's collar on its leg cause I couldn't get hawking bells and stuff. Um, and then one of my first jobs was working for a company called Falco bird control with a guy called Alan Cass, um, doing landfill sites, bird clearance on landfill sites and bird abatement. Um, and it, it just snowballed from there, really. Um, where I grew up, I, I mean, I always wanted to be a gamekeeper. Um, and I grew up with a gamekeeper, um, quite local to me. Um, and I, I used to spend all my time with him shooting and, and, and God knows what, you know, doing the, the pheasants and, and different bits and bobs. But my falconry just took over. So, um, and that was it. And once I was bitten by it, that was it. Um, and I've kind of travelled the length and breadth of England and 
doing it and uh, been doing it ever since it's, it's, it's been tough it's, it's it's not an easy career path to take um but it's one of those i, I can't imagine myself doing anything else um so um, yeah that was a long time ago <laughs> so uh, but um you know i've worked at um whipsnade zoo and woven safari park and then up in north yorkshire doing um hunting days with the goshawks and different bits and bobs and then this job that i work at now came up um working for a, a fox hunt um so in this country the way the law's written um you can use two dogs to flush a wild mammal to a gun or you can use as many dogs as you like to flush a wild mammal to a bird of prey um and when it first came up i, I ummed and ahed about taking the job and should i shouldn't i it was it there was a hell of a lot of controversy over it um when it first came out and i was in two minds whether to take the job or not um and then i thought well you know if i don't take the job they're going to just get somebody to do it that hasn't got a clue what they're doing and it's going to look bad on falconry so let's let's do a proper job of it um and and, and see what we can do with it and, and basically all i've done is gone back a thousand years to when all falconry was done in conjunction with a, a pack of dogs a pack of hounds um and it works i mean as long as you know what you're doing and you're careful and you can read the hounds you know you know when it's, it's it's a good time to slip or not to slip um and i think my male eagle's probably one of the most successful eagles around that's taken you know a lot of foxes um and it's not for the faint-hearted but um he knows his job so um, it's it's all good but um well, before we jump into that, I'm I'm just kind of curious. I, well, first, I have to ask one basic question, which is whenever you, you got a little bit older and you started getting some some income, did you were you nice enough to buy your mom a new handbag? At least I, I mean, it, <laughs> I was, that's where that's where the, the bonus comes, because teaching myself, I mean, I think it was what, 1990, a magazine came out called the, the Falconers magazine. And. By this point, I was well and truly hooked with the, the whole falconry thing. Never thought that I'd be doing it as a lifelong career. And, and I opened the, the, I got, I managed to get one of these magazines. And um, I think it was at the, the first falconry fair that, that, that uh, was on. Um, I got, I got, uh, I subscribed to the magazine and I got my first 1990 copy of this magazine. And in the front um, cover, there was a photograph um, of three hoods on a pedestal that were made by Ben Long. And I was just in awe. I was just like, wow, look at those. Um, and um, that was me hooked. So I went and got a load of leather working tools and, and um, some leather and stuff and started making hoods. And, and, and over the years, I've got good enough to actually sell them. Um, and, and, you know, so that's, that's a, another string to my bow where I, I make a bit of income from, from making hoods and stuff um so i do and i do a lot of leather work so i actually made my mum a new handbag so um, yeah oh you you went the ultra cheap route then like you 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 use um, she probably would end up liking that more though because you made it right yeah that's it yeah, yeah. that's it. 
I mean, so she didn't look. She didn't look at it and want to automatically kick your ass again. It's like this wasn't up to spec, you know, whatever. Yeah, my, just... my, my, my mom's only only like five foot tall, and she can still kick my ass today. So I just, <laughs> yeah, I have to be careful. <laughs> well, fair enough, fair enough. Well, and and before we we launch into the whole, you know, uh, eagle and and fox deal, I also just out of curiosity, I mean, did you did you fly any other species? I know you mentioned it, you you flew the sparrowhawk and you flew some other stuff. But what what else did you fly kind of throughout your years before you really got hooked into eagles? I, I suppose a good my good my, my foundation for eagle falconry was flying a female red tail for nine seasons when I was a, a, a kid. Um, I got a red tail and um, did nine seasons with her. Um, had more trips to A and E with that bird than I've ever had flying goldies. Um, she was she was a, a tenacious uh, character um you know 14 stitches in my eyelid and my ear stitched back together and you know so um you know and and that was basically my my kind of my grounding um and then I've flown for hunting birds I've flown harrises and goshawks and stuff but working at the zoos and and whatnot I've, I've flown other eagles I've flown bald eagles and I've flown some goldies working at centers and stuff um but never getting out there and doing it properly and you know my 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 grassroots are hunting um so it's it's always been my my thing you know and um i had a i had a female harris hawk that i went and picked up from cornwall traveled all the way from cambridge to cornwall to pick her up and i'd had her for a couple of days and she broke her leg and um, before I could get her to the vets, she she died from internal bleeding um, because the, the bone had broken and, and cut her somehow inside. And, and um, she, she was dead the next morning um, before I managed to get to the vets. So I rang up the guy that I got her from and he said, come back down. He said, I've got another one here. He said, come and get her and you can take her. So I made the trip all the way back down to Cornwall. It was like six or seven hours from where I am. And um, I got there and the guy that... Um, I bought her from he's only got one eye and um he's a lovely lovely guy real character and he said there you go have a look in there and i looked through the peephole in the um the aviary and um i said uh, i'm sure that's a male and he went no no it's a female anyway we got we could went in and caught it up and sure enough it was a male and it was the tiniest weediest little male harris hawk you've ever seen in your life he went take that one he said i'll breed you another female next season so I begrudgingly took this this male Harris hawk, and I called him Fluke um, because it was a fluke that I ended up getting him, you know, and, and um, it, it, he turned out to be one of the best hunting hawks that I've ever had, and he'd take partridge. Um, one pound, three and a half ounces he used to fly at, and I took a brown hare um, that was a nine pound brown hare with him as well. Um, obviously, I was running like hell when he flew it. I was like, "Oh shit, we better run like hell to to get in and help him." But you know, and that's 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 been my thing with all my birds. You know, whatever they take on, I've always been there and made sure that they know I've got their back. Uh-huh. So they'll take on the world for me, and it's the same with my eagles. You know, they'll 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 take on anything for me because they know that I'm I'm there backing them up when they've they've got the rough end of it. So, um, and I think that's that's a big deal with the the whole eagle um falconer relationship you've got to make sure that you're you're on your toes and running across that field as fast as you can to get in to help them um once they've caught um, what you've what you've slipped them at so hares are not so bad with an eagle obviously you don't have to to run so fast with a hare but foxes and deer you do so um, 
it's funny how tenacious some of these birds get whenever they do have that confidence, you know? Yeah, they're amazing. They, um, it's that mindset. Once you get them trained and you get them to know that you've got their back, um, and that they'll take on the world for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, you know, you see, you see a lot of guys that are a bit rough with their Eagles and, and, you know, they're, they're like, they, they don't seem to have that, um, I don't know. That's that same relationship that I've got with my eagle. Um, you know, it, it's. I know my eagle will give his all for me, um, and the same with this female I'm working on. She's coming round to, to to that that kind of process as well. But it's a long, it's a long, um, um, it's a long journey with an eagle. It's not a, a race. It's a it's a marathon with an eagle. So you know, um, it, it's a it's a long thing. Um, but like I say, I've been flying my mail now for 19 seasons. Um, so, um, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's part of my life. It's not, it's more than just a job. It, it's my whole way of life. Um, so it's, uh, it's just nice that I can earn a living well, kind of earn a living, um, doing it. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, if you're, if you were flying an imprint red tail before and, um, you know, already were, was used to, uh, you know, getting footed in all kinds of fun, different places, you know, by, by, a, a an imprint red tail or whatever, then, then I'm sure that was plenty of good practice for whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, you hear all these horror stories about eagles being footy and grabbing people. And I've, I've not found that with, with any of the, some of the eagles that I've not trained, you know, working at the zoos and, and um, falconry centers that I've worked at, um, they've been, handed around and passed from pillar to post and they can be a bit bit um grabby um but with my own birds they um they soon grow out of it they don't um they don't go that way for for long um don't ask me how but i i seem to have a a way of not not getting that the 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 nasty side coming at me so which is which is nice um it's it's a it's a hard one to explain I, i mean i've had i've had quite a few people comment on what I do and they're like, it's so, um, watching you with your Eagles, it's, it's an instinctive thing. It's almost like it's second nature. Um, so when I actually try to explain what I do with them, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just do it. You know, it's just such a, a natural thing for me to do with them. It, it's, it, it just, uh, it's a bit like a duck to water really. Um, it's, um, it's a nice, nice way to be though. Yeah, I, I imagine. I and you know, if you if you already are, I mean, some people just really are kind of, I think, more prone to success with certain species than others. Yeah. So they say it's a mentality thing. I mean, there's there's plenty of guys that I know that just are wired to deal with exhibitors. There's some guys that I know are more dear, you know, wired to deal with uh with falcons. So yeah, I mean, you just you just never know. But yeah, I mean, I can I can understand that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's um, it's something that that's always. I, you know, ever since I was a boy, I think eagles were always my thing, um, and it it was it was ingrained in me then, you know, and that was before I'd even held an eagle or seen an eagle in in the flesh. Um, eagles were always my kind of go to. I want to fly an eagle, um, and and that was that was my um, sort of um, I my my thing that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's always been, and I'm, like I say, I'm really lucky in that I, I do it as a job, um, mm. as well as a hobby. Um, 
and it is it's it's just um it all works out really really well in in that it's all rolled into one and 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 i get to do it like that yeah that's amazing and um i'm happy for you that you get to do that but yeah i mean and and i think that if you have a this already kind of natural predisposition to you know already just really want to do one particular thing you're going to have more patience and a lot more wherewithal to want to be successful with it so you're going to you know try and work through whatever challenge you have i mean some people just don't have the patience for certain species or certain things or whatever yeah. because i mean that's not what they're really super into i don't think i love watching the guys some of my friends um, jose and and um they, they fly long wings and stuff and i call them pointy wings because they, they're always taking the mickey at the size of my wing my, my bird's wings but yeah. i call their birds pointy wings so um, the guys that fly the pointy wings i love watching but i couldn't do it it would drive me insane um <laughs> you know it's it's everything in that equation has got to be absolutely in line the, the the planets have got to align to to actually catch something with a, a falcon and i love watching um and, and seeing other other guys fly their falcons but um not for me not for me i've, fl- I've flown falcons in displays and stuff but i've never hunted with one mm-hmm. um, it's just not been you know it's not my thing like i know exactly what you're saying there's lots of guys i know they're the same way i would i would fly more long wings if i lived in an area that was more conducive for it um you know i mean but you know it, it is what it is but mm-hmm. but yeah i mean as far as um i mean kind of leading in to this this discussion though about your your job and you know what you currently do can you go into just a little bit of detail though about because i know when i was over there i i was talking to some guys over there about you know a lot of the challenges that you guys do currently face and you know with with a lot of the regulations that you have like you mentioned before with uh you know with the hounds and just is being able to hunt certain species in certain settings and and things like that what what if what were some of the initial challenges that you that you had kind of leading into all this um challenges um so i suppose i suppose from 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 a from a falconer's point of view a lot of the falconers didn't agree with me um going and working for a pack of hounds um and and there was a lot of talk of it bringing falconry into disrepute and um you know giving falconry a bad name and and everything and i was like look guys let's get the right people in to do these jobs um so that the job's done properly otherwise it will get falconry a bad name because the wrong guys are going to be going out and getting eagles um that's one of the things in this country if you've got the money you can go out and buy a golden eagle um there's so many being bred that any Tom, Dick and Harry, if they've got the money, they'll go out and buy one. Um, and some of the breeders will, will, will quite happily sell them to, to any Tom, Dick and Harry, which really, you know, that's, that's, that's really wrong. That, that gripes me because at the end of the day, the only thing that suffers for it is the bird. Um, it, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I can't change. But the legislation in the UK is so, so lapsadaisical as far as having a bird of prey. There's so many people that have got the birds that shouldn't have, you know, um, and 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 I I, I get it that that you know they 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 want part of the falconry that that they see, you know. Social media is great; it shows the the 
the greatest like falconry in the greatest of lights doesn't it um and it makes it look easy and it makes it look all um you know through rose tinted glasses but it's not it's not all like that and they'll go out and buy a bird and then find out six months down the line that that's really not for them mm-hmm. um and then there's another bird that's passed from pillar to post and um it, it's a shame because like i say the the thing that suffers is the bird mm-hmm. um and um I'm not I'm not so keen on that but everybody asks me since I got this female eagle everybody's asking are you going to breed from them and I'm like no not interested breeding's not something that has ever interested me I I want to hunt with my birds and and you know fly them for what they are and 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 see them do what they do um it's uh yeah they're hunting birds not breeding birds and, <laughs> and that's that no it's understandable it's understandable well I, like I said, I'm just curious because, you know, I've heard a lot of different things from, you know, a lot of different guys since being over there in my very brief snapshot kind of, you know, period of time that I was over there. And, you know, like I said, that's that's one reason why I'm always interested talking to a variety of guys, even in a small country, you yeah. know, or a small, you know, like like I said, I mean, everybody's experiences are different. So. I mean that be all that being said then how did you land this job how did you even find out about it how did you even so yeah word of mouth basically um it's a small uh, small circle in in the uk falconry and um i was working at whipsnade zoo working um working for uh, london zoological society um and I, I that was that was always my sort of pinnacle i always wanted to work for zsl um and I got my job at, at London Whipsnade Zoo, and um, I thought that's it. I'm set. I'm I'm going to stay here and do my thing and 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 be here forever. Um, and then got to hear about this job in back in Peterborough, which is um, the, the the biggest town um, in Cambridgeshire, where I like where I near where I come from. So it was back in my home patch, and I knew the area and had grown up in the area and stuff and. I thought, um, do you know what? Let's, let's have a look just to see what the job's all about. So um, I arranged an interview with the boss, Sir Philip, and um, went for an interview and um, talked to him about what I do and, and how I'd go about doing it. And um, the rest is history, as they say. I think there was three other people went for the job. Um, and um, I, I was the lucky one that got it. So um, I've been there since uh, 2004. So um, it's um, and and flying the same eagle, um, uh, like I say, five six times a week ever since um, during the season, um, and uh, yeah, and then like, like I say, this year I've taken on another eagle, um, and um, been flying her as well. So um, juggling two eagles is fun, but um, I can only imagine the amount of food you go through. Oh yeah, fair bit, but um, you know, <laughs> it's it's one of those things when you've got one eagle that's going really well, that that can feed both of them. So, um. well, so uh, with this job, how much acreage do you have to hunt with this job? I mean, do you? I mean, if you're hunting the same area, you know, like almost for oh, an entire week. I mean, do yeah. you, you have enough? There's enough game over these grounds that like, that keeps you in enough flights for that. I'm really lucky. I live on a ten and a half thousand acre 
estate. Oh, okay. <laughs> that <laughs> explains that. All right. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of divide it up. So when I'm when I'm not out, not when I'm not out with the hounds, and I'm just doing falconry, um, I'll divide the the estate up, and I'll go to one block one week, one block the next week, and and it gives each area a rest. Um, and I, to be fair, when I'm out, I don't cause that much disturbance. You know, I'm I'm out looking for hares when I'm out just doing normal falconry, um, and um, I don't don't fly foxes or deer when when I'm just out um, doing normal falconry. I'm 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 flying hares, um, and um, so I divide the estate up into blocks, and 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 so that's that's my exercise ground, if you like, um, and then we obviously travel in within the the, the hunt country, um, and we go visit into other farms and other areas, um, and and cover a, an immense area of ground. Um, and over the years, I've got to know it really well, and and um, yeah. So um, we visit other estates um, and, and shoots and, and stuff. So I've got no shortage of of hunting ground. That's one thing I'm not short on. So um, sounds like you landed in kind of like a falconry gold mine situation. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's 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 good. Um, as far as as far as it goes, it, it, it's a great, it's an amazing job. Um, but it comes with its its downsides. I mean, working for the hunt, you get the the flak from the hunt saboteurs um, and the anti hunting brigade, and and you know once your face is known and they they find out stuff about you and your name's known, they uh. give you give you flak. And social media is a great platform for shouting um, a lot of untruths and stuff and and um, garbage out there. But you know you've you've got to sort of let it roll and 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 um water off a duck's back kind of thing but um yeah they they those guys don't like me much because i keep the i keep the tradition of the oldish english hunt going um so i keep it legal because they're flushing to a bird of prey um so i'm i'm kind of the the loophole in the law that they left in um that the hunts picked up on and, and have taken it on um but like I say, it, it can be done. It's just that you've got to dedicate an awful lot to it to be able to do it properly and, and make sure that your eagles are safe and falconry is safe. Um, you know, falconry is my life. It's It's been my life since, um, like I say, since that first sparrowhawk that I found. And um, it's um, my, my whole life revolves around falconry. My friends and um, what I do and where I go is all falconry. Um it's um, it's a it's it's an obsessive thing um you know once it gets under your skin it, it kind of takes over sure yeah and and i mean yeah i can see where there'd be some downsides with that type of job too i mean if you're if you're expected to do that you know you you probably don't have very many days off or very much free time to do much else and you kind of yeah you kind of live on the job yeah 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 and I, I can only imagine. I mean, it sounds it sounds like you've been fortunate, though, in a lot of other ways, because I know whenever I did the uh, the podcast episode with Ronnie, you know, Ronnie Moore, he was yeah, talking Ronnie, about. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about flying the same eagle for almost 30 years. And I mean, see, I, I you know, I just it, it's it astounds me because, like, granted, if, if you are going to fly a species for a length, of, I mean, I can see where that would you know, be probably one of the species that you'd be able to do that because, you know, you know, the size and you're not having to, you know, deal with the same. 
a lot of the same types of hazards <laughs> that you would with a lot of other, you know. Funny thing, because it's like when I was a boy, Ronnie Moore was one of my idols, you know. I used to see articles that he'd done in, in Falconer's magazines and books and stuff. Um, I never dreamt that one day that I'd be in a position to be flying my own eagles and 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 doing what what Ronnie did, you know. Um, and it, it's kind of going the same way. Um, it's uh, like I say, I'm, I'm in my twentieth year with Erlen now, and um, it, it's it's kind of uh, looking. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, um, I'll be flying Erlen well into his thirties um, and forties, whatever, however long he lasts, you know, or, or me, it's probably going to be me that falls over first to be fair, the way I feel at the moment, but it's, uh... <laughs> if it hadn't happened yet, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you, but, but I mean, it's, and the thing is about it too, is it's not like you're hunting something that's not dangerous or could potentially, you know, debilitate your, your bird or, or whatever. I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> being in a situation where you're you're flying a bird for that long on something that's that potentially dangerous to and not had any major hiccups i mean that's pretty incredible yeah it's uh, and i'll put i put it down to me being quick um you know getting in and helping him when when he's when he's on a kill um it, it's you've got seconds basically to assess whether it's a safe slip or not. And um, when he's got hold of that Fox, I get there within seconds as, as quick as I can um, and dispatch the Fox and get it under control. So as that the, the, the risks are limited, but there's, there's risks with flying any, any of the birds, you know, power cables and oh, sure. wire fences and traffic and, and like this little Island now that I live on, there's so many people on it. It's, it's a nightmare. It doesn't matter which direction you look in. There seems to be a, somebody standing there with, um, you know, there, there's risks everywhere. So mm -hmm. you've got to be as vigilant as you can and, and um, um, kind of assess things within seconds before you, you slip that hood off and, and, and let the bird go. So, um, but um, I've, like I say, I've made some great friends through my, through my work and um, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, and and it's it's my complete life um which uh i don't know it's it's, it's as, as obsessive as it is it's it's worked out well yes sounds like it sounds like you're doing doing pretty good poor in every other way other than falconry but um, <laughs> you know, money's overrated isn't it so uh it it, it definitely can be it uh it fixes a lot of woes but it can it can also be pretty overrated too i've i've learned that the hard way over the years myself but so i i mean take us through your typical day then getting ready for prep and you know doing doing this job so basically um i live on the job so i live on the estate where 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 i work so basically fall out of bed straight into the the garden where my eagles live if they're not downstairs in the i've got a, i've got a screen perch at the bottom of the stairs where i put them if if i've had a particularly wet and horrible day um I'll, I'll put them on the screen at the bottom of the stairs until they're dry and um stuff but um so yeah straight out into the garden um into the weighing room and and prep food for the day which hare muntjac um or, or dale chick whatever whatever i'm flying them to on that particular day i i, I use an awful lot of muntjac deer um and, and fox and hare 
because um, that's the, the main three things that I, I catch. Um, and I'm a great believer in you get in what you you get out what you put in. So if you're putting in poor quality food, you get a poor quality performance out of them. If you put nice rich food in, you get a good performance out of them. Um, so I'm a great believer in that. Um, and um, so I get all my food prepped and everything. Um, depending on where I'm hunting and what I'm doing, um, I'll weigh. It's all changed this year because it's it's um, it's two eagles now as opposed to one. But um, you know, I'll go in, get my eagle, hood him, bring him out, put him on the scales, weigh him, um, and um, uh, go and put him in the back of the truck. I've got a, a double um, transport box in the back of the truck where I put both of them, um, and um, then travel off to wherever I'm hunting. Um, on a hunting day, I use a quad bike um, as opposed to a horse. I can I can ride a horse. Um, I grow up with horses and stuff, but the buggers don't stay where you put them when you jump off to sort out an eagle that's that's wrestling with a fox. So um, I use a quad bike, um, and um, so I hitch the quad bike up and, and off we go. Um, and then uh, yeah, once we're out in the field, that's um, the hounds will go in one end of the cover. Um, and I'll position myself, depending on where we are, um, in a safe position away from the cover, but where I think the fox will run or, or the quarry will run. Um, and, you know, I could be two fields away from where they're, they're drawing to push to me. Um, so I always try and stay in front of where the hounds are, are drawing. Um, so I've got a good distance between us, um, which gives me that time to be able to assess whether or not um, it's going to be a safe slip or not. Um, cause the last thing I want is to get tangled up with the hounds with my eagle. Um, so, uh, I keep, keep a safe distance between us. Um, and, um, yeah, the rest is history as they say it works. So, um, um, but, um, you know, I mean, I, I can go seven, eight, nine, ten slips in a day, uh, hairs and stuff. Um, and, um, because my eagles are flown every day, they're, 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 fit enough to be able to do that and put in some amazing flying don't catch much um as 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 it as it goes it's i'm, I'm successful with with an eagle but the amount of slips that are unsuccessful are some of the most spectacular because the hares will jump and um sure. outmaneuver the eagles and um brown hares i i love them uh, although i hunt them this is this is another thing that the the guys that don't hunt don't get um they can't understand how I can love an animal as much and then hunt it. They, they don't. It's the same with foxes. I've got the greatest admiration for foxes and deer and everything because they are, although they're my quarry that I hunt, they are the most amazing animals that are out there, you know, because they they, they can pull off a manoeuvre that can outmaneuver a golden eagle. Um, and these 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 eagles are fit. They're not they're not um, couch potato eagles. These things are fit. Um, and um, when you see a hare jump an eagle, it's just it doesn't matter how many times you see it. It's just like wow, look at that. It's it's amazing to see. Um, and you know, you take your hat off, tip your hat to them, and thank you very much, sir. And off they go. Um, and hopefully, bump into them another day for the same. But. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're successful. We, we catch enough. Um, I don't want to go out there and catch everything um, with every slip that I have because otherwise it would be boring and everybody would be doing it. And sure. um, 
but it's it's one of those things you know i love i love the quarry that i hunt as much as i love my eagles um and that's that's always a hard thing to get across to people that um don't hunt or don't understand what i do or or how i feel about the animals that uh, you know but um you know it's, it's 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 the whole thing it's like i look after the estate that i live on as well and and i put nest boxes up for the owls and and kestrels and um stuff like that and and you know it's it's that it's that biggest picture isn't it it's that big circle though i hunt you've got to you've got to look after your environment that you're hunting and make sure that there's there's habitat there for everything as well as the animals that are, are your quarry um and and respect what you what you're doing sure sure yeah and i mean you you have to have a some degree of a decent amount of success otherwise you'd be poor because you'd be buying a whole lot of food for your birds but <laughs> but uh i mean out of curiosity as far as the, the type of guys you know i mean so so do you do they have a, i'm assuming they have a pretty steady clientele base that's coming in and and wanting to observe these hunts and stuff or like be a part of these and they've got a subscription that, that they, they they subscribe to and they join the hunt and they they come out with their horses and ride um and you know i've been there that long now i'm part of the furniture so um, okay. they all know me and and they love seeing the eagle flying and stuff um when they get the chance um i caught um my female eagle actually caught our first fox um with me on saturday um and it was in front of the whole field of of horses um and so that they, they all got to see her in action and catch the catch the fox and um they were all amazed by it when they saw it a lot of the time you see it I'm, I'm i'm a good distance away um but this this one time um they they happened to be in the same field the hounds were further on a long way off mm. but um this fox ran in in the right direction for them to to get a, a grandstand view of what was going on so nice well and i you know I've never seen this in person and I've not even hardly seen very many videos of this in person too. just describe the process of setting up the slip of, uh, and, and, uh, you know, coordinating a hunt for a Fox. And um, so basically, um, well, when, when, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm out with the hounds, um, the hounds will go into a wood in a, into a cover and work the cover through. And I'll, I'll try and position myself in a, a place where I think the Fox will run um and obviously doing it for as long as i've been doing it you get to know where they're going to run over uh -huh. the years and and you can you can kind of preempt um where you might get a, a a slip um and then you just sit quietly tuck yourself up along a hedgerow and sit quietly and wait um and if one decides to run in your direction the hood comes off and away it goes um and uh, then you hope for the best and hopefully they catch it um and uh get in quick and help them and, um give them a, a good uh, good reward for it and um that's 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 basically it. it's, it's pretty simple it's not um it's not rocket science <laughs> yeah i mean it it seems easier whenever you describe it but i'm sure you know seeing it for the first time in person it's one of those things that probably just it, it would seem probably a little bit more complex i'm sure yeah probably it's I, I i don't know how else to to um to explain it um yeah it's um like i say every 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 place we hunt, hunt um has its own challenges and its own um you know there might be a road on one side where 
I can't fly or there might be power cables or something crazy going on over the other side of the field, you know, so I'll avoid that. And so the place where I'll, I'll position myself dep depends a lot on the day as well, um, on what's going on and who's out and um, um, stuff like that. On a, on a normal day's hunting, when I'm out just with the eagle, um, I just walk, walk the fields, um, searching for hares and, and kick hares up out of the fields. Um, when I say kick, I don't literally kick them up. You know, you, sure. you walk yeah. the field and the hares will get up. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and um, then uh, the hood comes off, and and you get a, a great uh, spectacle of seeing the, the eagles tail chasing, um, a bit like the jackrabbits over over mm -hmm. in the states, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get to see some spectacular flying on on hares. Out of everything, if I if I weren't doing this for a job, um, I wouldn't fly foxes. Um, it's only the fact that I do it for a job that I fly foxes. Um, out of everything that I fly, the hares are the most sporting um, and the most difficult to catch because they're so agile and athletic, manoeuvrable. Um, and, and then they've got this, this built-in instinct of how to evade a bird of prey um, and that they can sidestep and jinx and, and, and jump and they're spectacular amazing creatures yeah my, my my favorite move to watch is whenever they just stop oh they, they stop they, yeah they, they literally just stop and sit there and yeah, then they just wait and wait and wait and wait for that bird to come in and then as soon as that bird starts almost almost to him they just take off again and then yeah you know, you're it. like and you're like oh i almost got in but but the more you see they're like no they actually aren't almost getting it. the the rab rabbits there the hares are doing that on purpose yeah yeah <laughs> And, and yeah. you know, brown hares can make a really good eagle look look useless. Um, sure. They they can really pull out some moves um, and, and um, make a really good eagle look look like it's never flown a hare before in its life. Um, yeah. And and that's that's part of the attraction of it. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and we're not talking about these these thirty yard slips either. We're talking long long slips. I mean they'll. They're, I mean, they're, they're, where I am in Cambridgeshire, the fields are huge, um, and and some of these flights can go across a hundred acre field and and end in failure right at the end of it, you know. But the the spectacle of seeing that flight is what it's all about, and um, you know, it's not all about the catching and the kill at the end of it. Although you do want to be successful because obviously your bird, you don't want your bird getting um, um, upset at the fact that it's not being successful so um you know a little bit of that success is is always you know success grows success doesn't it so um, you want to be successful but at the same time you, you see some spectacular flying when um then they're not as successful um sure. but uh, like i say in my country where i am um it's very flat and wide open spaces i kind of border right on the edge of the fens which is as flat as um i don't know what you'd have the equivalent of out there maybe on the prairies or um something but it's as flat as flat can be and you can see for miles um uh, with big big open fields and it's great hare country um and then on the other side of where i hunt it's quite hilly and undulating gentle hills not not big hills by any standard um there's nothing around here that would allow me to to fly my eagles on the saw um and um, like i say I'm, I'm in quite a populated area so you can never be too sure where somebody's walking their chihuahua um <laughs> so flying on the saw is not a good idea so um right but, um, yeah I, I can imagine
I can imagine. Well, I, on average, how many hounds do you hunt with whenever you're, you're doing some of these, some of these hunts then? Uh, I think 24 and a half couple. So, um, uh, what's that? 24, 24 times two, 48, 48, uh, 49. So yeah, 50 hounds. Wow. Uh, and, um, then there can be any, depending on the day and what time of year it is. I mean, Christmas time is always a busy, busy time wow. of the year for the hunt. So there could be anything up to 80 to 100 horses out as well. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> so it, it's chaos. Um, it can be chaos. Um, and then you'll get the horses that don't like the look of the eagle or the look of the quad. So you're avoiding them. And, um, you know, um, hence the reason I stay up front and, and try and keep out of the way um and and let let things run to me um um it, it's one of those it's 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 uh, it's a it's a like i said i've been doing it so long now it it, it it kind of runs like clockwork but um like you say i suppose it's not as easy if you actually saw it in the flesh um uh, but it's it's quite a thing to see um uh, when you get uh, all the horses out and they're all dressed up to the the nines and going out trying to break their necks on horseback <laughs> oh jeez, yeah. i i i can't imagine I, that, how is there any coordination to that whatsoever um like, so I'm, I'm i'm in contact with the huntsman on a radio so um he'll, he'll tell me when something's coming my way oh um my God. And, and so i've got I've, i have got a radio um so he gives me a heads up if he thinks something's running in my direction so uh, and, but it's it's all to do with the the, the hunting act and the 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 ban on hunting with dogs um you know i never i never dreamt that one day i'd be working for the hunt um one of my one of my first jobs when i left school was working in a stable yard um as i say i can ride and one of my mum's good friends gave me a job and i was actually looking after one of the master's horses of the hunt that i worked for um at the time so and that was back when i was 16 17 years old you know so um didn't do it for long because horses are not my vocation but um it's um yeah it's it's crazy how things go turn around and um i'm just i'm just trying to visualize it because i because i mean i've been on hunts before with guys you know like you know four to six dogs and yeah. and that's organized chaos sometimes in and of itself uh, it's, it's it's amazing to watch the huntsman the huntsman knows every single one of those hounds by name and if he go if he calls that name that hound will come to him and he knows every single one um and um yeah they are better behaved than than a lot of people's pet dogs um it's uh, it's amazing to see they would have to be I yeah mean, no, it's, it's it's a it's a skill in itself watching watching the huntsman with his hounds um and uh it's it's yeah it's a lot of brains you've got to keep in check um all at the same time and they they are completely loyal to the huntsman and um they they know their job and and, and it, it all works um and um you know alongside that they drag a they drag a trail as well so they'll they'll lay an artificial scent as well on days when when not a lot's going on and, and it's it's quiet they'll actually lay a trail and they'll do some trail hunting um and that that sparks the hounds up and they're in full cry um which also works in my favor because once the hounds spark up and, and start um speaking they call it speaking or singing um and they call it hound music when when the hounds um start and that will very often flush 
um, something out of cover. And if I'm in the right spot at the right time, um, I'll very often get a slip when that happens as well. So um, it's uh, it all works in favour of, of falconry. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm doing nothing different to what they used to do a thousand years ago. Sure. Uh, when um, when all falconry was done in conjunction with God knows how many horses and, and dogs of all types and descriptions. And um, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's quite a thing to see. Uh, if you ever get the chance to come over, come over and have a look. I, I'd love to. I mean, I, there's so many things that I still want to do and I definitely want to get back over there sometime and, and see some more stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean, a week and a half just isn't, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not right. enough, you know. Um, but, a I don't think, to be fair, in falconry, um, I don't think a lifetime's long enough to be able to fit everything probably that, falconry, not. that falconry has to offer. Um, you know, I've, I've been really lucky in, in working with lots of different species and um, different falconry centres and zoos and safari parks and stuff. I've been really lucky in working with different um, birds and stuff, and it's, it's given me my... Um, my, my foundation for what I'm doing now. Um, and, um, like I say, it's, 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 it's been a good, a good journey. Um, so, and, and, and like I say, I mean, I make all my own gloves, I make all my own hoods, I make, um, my own jesses and, and equipment for my eagles and stuff. Um, completely self-sufficient to be fair. Um, I don't make, I don't buy equipment, um, or very, very rarely. If I go to a falconry, fair and i see something that's really nice um i'll buy it from a little collection i've got um i've got a little collection of hoods and stuff from different people mm -hmm. um but um the majority of stuff that i've got is all made by me um and um it, it, it's kind of that full circle of um uh, I, I don't know i fly my birds i make all my own kit and um i catch my own dinner it's 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 that full circle you know so it's, it's uh, it's okay. It's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that is something that I did notice. It seems like a lot of you guys over there are a lot more self-sufficient in those ways. You know, I mean, a lot of us over here are too, but I mean, and then there's also a lot of guys that that'll make, you know, some of the more basic equipment for themselves and things like yeah. that, but some of the more advanced stuff and, you know, the, the hoods and things like that, especially, yeah, that's not a skill set that a lot of people seem to, to have, as much you know anymore so it's 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 a road to insanity hood making yeah <laughs> All those things you know i mean i've been doing it since like i say 13 14 years old going back to my mum's handbag and and um you know cutting that up to to make my first hood and you're always i think hood makers are always chasing perfection huh. and they'll make one that's almost there almost there and they'll tweak it and make it a little bit more and um tweak it a little bit more and then never i don't think i don't think i know a hood maker even even some of the great names in hood making i don't think any of them if if they were to speak truthfully uh, are ever happy with the blocks they've made or the the hood they've made the next one's going to be better or the next pattern will be better than that one and it will you know and i think it's that that's ever um you're, you're forever chasing perfection with with hood making uh, and I know I certainly am. And I look at some of my earlier hoods now and think, geez, you know, it, they're a mess. Um, and, um, you know, my eagle hoods now, I've got, I've got a good reputation with my eagle hoods. And, and uh, a lot of the eagle guys in this country, um, I'm quite proud that they all wear 
um, uh, uh, John Mee's hood, you know. So um, they, they um, a lot of people wear them for for hunting, and I've I've, I've basically took a, a Kazakh, an original Kazakh pattern, and tweaked it to my own um, design. So it's 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 in all sense and purposes a Kazakh slip on hood, but it's it's been tweaked and it's still being tweaked. I mean I change it every year and do little things to it to make it a better fit or a better 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 look or um, a better finish and you're constantly chasing that um with the leather work and and stuff so it's 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 a nice it's a it's a nice thing to do um on in the off season when um when i'm not hunting the eagles and everything's quietened down a bit um sure. i i have guys ringing me up this time of year can you make me a hood i've lost my hood or um i trod on my hood or i sat on my hood any chance you can make me one and i'm like not a chance bring me back in march <laughs> you know and it's, it's like especially and, and even more so now i'm flying two eagles um it's um um yeah from from dawn till dusk falconry at the moment uh, which is a great great problem to have but um doesn't doesn't um doesn't put food on the table as such but um, in other ways it does yeah, no, I I can imagine. Well, I mean, I guess this would be a good time to go ahead and, and get at least one good story out of you. I, I can't imagine you wouldn't have had at least one in the last, you know, oh, you know couple, few decades or whatever. But, uh, you know, especially flying the same areas for the last, what, 18 years with the same bird. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've got several, but everyone seems to always have at least one or two that stick out in their mind. Yeah, Um Wow, um, where do I start with that one? I mean, my male eagle, he's not huge. He's not a big eagle. He flies at seven and a half pounds. Um, but he's got a heart like a lion. Um, and I get a lot of Chinese water deer over here as well, which don't grow antlers. And they look like a teddy bear. I'm trying to trying to give a picture over to, to the listeners because they, they probably haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. But these Chinese water deer, they've got great big fluffy ears. A big fluffy face and, and a fluffy body. They did. They just look like a teddy bear, but they've got these horrendous tusks, um, and they they're, they're like a saber tooth um, deer. They 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 literally have these tusks um, that can be like two three inches long, um, and I've seen them so many times. And I've I've flown my eagle at them. He'll catch muntjac deer regularly. Um, but he'll get behind these Chinese water deer, look at them and go, no chance. And he'll bank off. And I can't blame him for that. These things have got teeth. Um, and um, one day we was out um, on the fens and it was blowing a gale. The rain was coming in sideways. I was in a foul mood because the weather was shocking. And um, the hounds went in a, a, a crop of sugar beet, um, two fields over. Um, and this Chinese water deer ran out and jumped over a, a, a fen drain. And these drains are huge. They're, they're deep, like they're almost like a river, um, deep, deep um, rivers, um, and these drains. And um, it jumped over one of these drains straight over into the field I was in and started running towards me. And I'm, I'm thinking, geez, this is going to run at me. Um, and by the time it got to me, it was within 30, 40 yards of me. And I slipped earl and at it. And I don't know what it was that day, but he thought, right, I'm having that. And he flew it, <laughs> grabbed hold of it and um, pulled it over. And I'm running like hell, covered. Like, by the time I got to him, I must have been about six inches taller than I started because the mud was so 
so sticky and affectionate it was just clogged on my boots and I still don't know how to this day how I got to him on time and, and helped him out with it um, and that was a, a 63 pound Chinese water deer um, and it had got tusks that were two and a half three inches long um, and he got it and and I was I was like a dog with two tails for the rest of the, the season <laughs> that was that was that that made my season um, you know and it's 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 there's so many there's so many different Stories. I, I done. Um, I done a falconry event up at the um, at Jemima's falconry centre before it closed. Um, it was one of the last falconry shows that she done, and I'd gone there exhibiting with my hoods and stuff. And um, they asked if I'd do a talk on um, my hood making and stuff. And um, I was like, Yeah, of course I will. So um, I, I done. I went went into the the education centre where they. Um, were doing the talks and it was packed and I was amazed that that anybody wanted to come and listen to me blabbering on about making hoods and um, I'd never done um, a, like a, a talk on my hood making or anything before and I told the story of um, my hood making and how I started with my mum's handbag and that I got the book out of the library and got the pattern from the book and it all started from there and it was almost like a train hitting me that it dawned on me that Philip Lazier, Jemima's father, started the Falconry Centre where I was standing. And I was talking about my falconry journey and where I started and that book um, being written by Philip Glazier. And it, it was like getting hit by a train and it really chugged me up. I couldn't talk. Um, and I just said, excuse me a minute, guys, I've got to get a drink. And, and I had a drink and composed myself. But it was like a, a full circle kind of thing. And I was standing in Philip Glazier's, um, on Philip Glazier's turf, um, talking about my hood making and my falconry. And um, it, it was quite a moment for me because it was, I never dreamt when I was a kid that I'd one day be standing um, on the ground of the guy that that, that wrote the book that, that started me off um the first book that I well, was it was the only book in the library actually that that I could get on falconry you know mm -hmm. and you know my hood making and everything when I was a kid I couldn't buy a hood I couldn't go out and get a hood I, I could I, one I couldn't afford it and and two where would I get it from I didn't you know like I say the internet and stuff like that didn't um didn't exist when I was uh, I mean I'm not that old but I'm old enough and um, it just um, it didn't exist at the time so um, that was quite a moment for me sort of talking about my hood making and, and being stood there um, and it's it's a sad sad day that you know when they closed and that was a, a bit of a mecca for me that place that um, um, you know I, mean, I always remember the first time that I met Jemima I was kind of starstruck oh my god there's Jemima Farry Jones you know and um, I had my photo taken with her and stuff, and and now uh, you know I talk to Jemima and uh, whenever I see her and, and stuff, and we chat about the Eagles and and how I'm getting on and stuff, and it, it's just such a a great community to be part of um, the falconry world, you know, and um, a, a small community, but everybody's on the same wavelength, I think, and um, it's 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 a great thing to be um, a part of. Um, it can um, be. It can be. It can be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> every every facet of life's got its rogues in it, but um, sure, sure. You know, um, I've I've been quite lucky in avoiding those guys, but um, <laughs> it's, it's 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 been a it's been a great journey so far, and um, hoping that I've got many years 
left doing it with uh, with my eagles and um, um but who knows we'll see how we go with that one yeah uh, well i mean i i'll keep my fingers crossed for you like i said i mean it sounds like you've had a a fantastic life doing something that you that you love and that's admirable in and of itself, especially when you get to do it for a career. And um, no, it's outstanding. I mean, I I guess this would also be a good time before we we end this to go ahead and ask you the same question that, you know, I've I've been asking a lot of other people and that, you know, do you have a a piece of advice or a pearl of wisdom that you'd like to pass on and and um, you know, for future generations or for whoever's listening? Um I suppose if I was going to give any advice to any newcomers, it would be look after your bird, look after it like it's like it's eggshells, like it's still in the egg um, and make sure that you treat them with the respect and the the, the compassion that they deserve, because um, they're not machines and they're not they're not robots and they have their off days and they're on days the same as us guys. Um, um, you know, treat them like they're one of your family um, is is how I'd um, go about it. I mean, I'm sure I'd probably get locked up for being insane if people saw the the eagle with me sitting watching TV and stuff. And, um, you know, I sit watching wildlife programs and my eagle be sitting there watching a cheetah cat chasing a gazelle or something. And the gazelle runs off the side of the screen and the eagle looks around the side of the TV to see where the gazelle's gone and, you know. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, some of the moments that you spend, you spend that much time with them. They're, they're, they're part of your DNA. Um, so, yeah, if, if anything, look after your birds and and um, do it properly. Make sure that you um, learn everything there is to learn and um, read books and read as much on it as you can before you get your bird and get everything in place before you get your bird and, and, and enjoy it. Enjoy what you've got because um, in this day and age, who knows how long we've got left doing it um it's uh you know my little lad's 11 and he's like i want to be an eagle falconer when i grow up dad and i'm like no you're going to get a proper job <laughs> but <laughs> you know, i don't want him i don't want him not to be an eagle falconer but um like i say it's it's a tough life to do it as i've done it and um um you have to make a lot of sacrifices and um it's it, it's 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 one of those you you've got to be all in everything every 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 breath that you take is is um, falconry. Um, it drives me insane some days, but um, it's 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 what I am. I, I don't know what I'd do if if it ever ended or I'd, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, God knows what I'd do. Um, but um, it's it's one of those things that's completely engulfed what I what I am, and um, my eagles are part of me as much as I'm part of them. You know, so um, that's my my little gem of wisdom would be to look after your birds and do it a hundred percent as as good as you can do it perfect perfect well this has been a, a great talk and i i really appreciate you taking the time to to going over there and and um, doing this recording and stuff and you know thanks again to to jose for helping out with this as well and um, yeah, no, like i say without jose i wouldn't be um, doing it because as far as technology goes i am um dead in the water useless yeah. i struggle with my mobile phone so uh, <laughs> it's hard work so. no worries no worries well go ahead and um i'm gonna go ahead and hit stop here but go ahead and stay on and we'll finish up here and um but yeah just um like i said take care and um 
yeah, best wishes to you and and thanks again for for taking the time. No, thank you. It's been great. It's nice nice to actually talk and and tell my story. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, like I say, it's in this day and age, it's one of those stories that's a little bit unbelievable that somebody could be doing falconry as a full time occupation and you know pay to pay to hunt golden eagles. But um, yeah, it's it's what I do and um. I love it. It's it's like I say, it's my DNA. So it's um, it's uh, what I do. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you.